Olá pessoal, tudo bem? Welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today we're going to be trying out a slightly different format. So instead of the typical long-form interviews that I do, we're going to be doing more of a crypto LATAM news recap and analysis of some of the key events of the last couple of weeks from the region. So joining me is Andres Engler, who is the LATAM editor at Coindesk. Welcome back, Andres. Hi, Aaron. Thank you for the invitation. It's great to be here again. Great. Yeah. Repeat guest. I think you're mm -hmm. my second repeat guest. So congratulations on that. So we're going to be doing... We've got kind of a, a, a queue of, of different articles here that we've picked out from the last uh, couple of weeks that we found to be interesting and relevant to talk about here. So our first article is one out of Coindesk that Andres' team published earlier this week, focusing on the crypto loan market in Latin America, which uh, apparently is booming amid uh, increasing cost of credit in places like Argentina. And I think we've this is something we've maybe we've kind of known for a while that this is a thing. But I th I thought what was interesting about this article is there's some real kind of firm numbers behind the number of users and just I think just the sheer cost of traditional credit at this point for a lot of of users in the region. But Andres, what's your what's your kind of high level takeaway on this one? Mm -hmm. Yes, Aaron, th this is a trend that is going very fast in in the region, trying to solve uh, a real problem of Latin American people that is related to uh, the necessity of uh, better rates when you have to accept a loan and you, and you have to ask for a credit in, in a bank. So uh, in places like Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, interest rates are uh, pretty high. Um, and during the last two and three years, because of the pandemic, banks start raising uh, interest rates uh, at a very, very high level. So uh, different crypto platforms are trying to take advantage of that problem and start um, uh, offering loans in crypto uh, with stable coins uh, patched to different uh, currencies. For example, in Argentina, there is a, a crypto exchange uh, called Buenbit, uh, which start offering loans uh, patched to the uh, Argentine peso. Uh, and it developed uh, um, a stablecoin called Nuars. And Land is a, is a Canadian company that uh, started offering uh, crypto loans uh, in Latin America uh, two years ago. And, and according to the company, it was a success because it, it started solving uh, that problem, you, you know, the, the loan problem in the region. So I think that uh, many exchanges or different type of companies in the crypto industry will start replicating this mm. because there is a demand for this. It says in the article here that some of these crypto platforms offer rates of up to 50% lower yeah. than traditional banks yeah, uh, with that's zero right. maintenance fees. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, that almost seems like too good to be true. But I mean, but like that's I mean, that's a pretty significant advantage, I guess. Uh, and this this Ledin platform that you just mentioned, it says they have 125 total 125,000 total users, mm -hmm. uh, and then now 50 percent of those total users are based in Latin America, basically. Yes, and 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 up to now, the the company provided like 500 million dollars in loans in Latin America, so that's a lot. And wow. when you go to the average amount of, of, of the loans, in this case, Bitcoin back loans, 
the average number is uh, $9,000 uh, US dollars. Uh, so that's a lot of money. Uh, the thing here is that banks are having some problems to, to, to give money because there are so many uh, things that they need to ask for uh, before uh, giving money to people in, in Latin America. So I think that crypto platforms are, are making this easier. Uh, you just need to give your uh, identification. Um, you, you need to have uh, some crypto that works as collateral. And then you are in, uh, you, you are receiving the money from these platforms. Cool. This is definitely a trend that we'll want to keep our eyes on here for the next, you know, the coming years, especially amid what's what lo what's looking to be like kind of a prolonged uh, downturn recession over the mm -hmm. next, uh, you know, 18 months or so. So next article here is, that we have is Bloomberg Linnea published a, uh, looks like it's annual, like 500 most influential people in Latin America list. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a few people on here that are crypto, either directly crypto uh, or sort of adjacent, relevant to crypto. I mean, I think one of the things that we both agreed on here is that the the lack of <laughs> there's, there's sort of a, a, a scarcity of crypto people on here, given how mm -hmm. fast the industry has grown in the region. But we've got, um, you know, Augustin Carsons is somebody we flag. I mean, he's he's Bank of International Settlements chair our general manager, and he's uh, obviously kind of a key figure in crypto relations and CBDC or crypto regulations, yeah. I should say, and then CBDC development. Uh, Barbara Gonzalez is the CEO of Bitso Mexico as of mm -hmm. June 22. So she made the cut. Uh, Daniel Mangabeda, who is the uh, kind of the finance's main guy in Brazil, and I think for the rest mm -hmm. of Latin Um But are there any other folks from the list that you found particularly interesting? Mm -hmm. I think that David Vélez is is a, an interesting profile for the crypto ecosystem in Latin America. I think he took the decision to start uh, offering crypto in new banks uh, platforms. So uh, up to now, the, the platform has um, 1.8 million people uh, buying crypto. So that's a lot of people when it when it comes to crypto in in, in Brazil. And it took like two months to achieve that number. So um, I don't know if if, the, if New Bank wants to replicate uh, the crypto future uh, in, in the rest of Latin America, but I think that taking the decision of uh, launching that was very important for the company in Brazil. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, a massive on-ramp for adoption, right? For bringing new customers on mm -hmm. market. And another important person in, in the crypto ecosystem in, in Brazil, more specifically, would be uh, Gilson Finkelstein. He's the CEO of um, B3, uh, the stock exchange in, in Brazil. Um, so as, as Bloomberg said, uh, he was, and, and B3 was uh, filtering with uh, crypto and digital assets. So my I, I think that B3 has uh, a break important advantage it has the, the the endorsement of uh the government to start uh releasing securities and all that stuff in in brazil so it has a huge advantage uh to start offering products uh crypto products in in the future i mean next year maybe yeah it's definitely in their roadmap i mean they've publicly stated as much right and they just held their their b3 week a couple of weeks ago which was very digital asset heavy as far as content and speakers. A um, couple other names on here. Uh, Monica Taher, uh, who's a public official in the Secretariat of Trade and Investments in El Salvador. 
who has been apparently leading kind of like the Bitcoin and blockchain sort of economic development efforts. Uh, yeah. I'm not really familiar with this person. Um, I mean, I'm familiar with El Salvador. I guess I'm my, my position on everything El Salvador at this point is like, let's wait and see what actually happens. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we had time to see. And, and I think that the results, according to to many people, uh, were not um, what, what the government expected. I think that Monica was like the, the public, public face or uh, the high profile person in, in the crypto adoption in El Salvador. She's very close to um, uh, Najib Bukele. And she started traveling all around the world, explaining how uh, El Salvador was adopting Bitcoin and trying to create clusters. And and she had uh, relationships with different companies uh, in order to start uh, creating the Bitcoin city. Uh, so many projects that uh, were going on in El Salvador, but up to now, when it comes to crypto adoption, uh, the results were not spectacular. If, if we want to use that uh, word, uh, they, they were not. The, in terms, for example, of remittances, uh, almost two percent of the remittances now are being done through uh, crypto, Bitcoin. So that's not a lot when when. When Nachi Bukele said that one of the use cases of Bitcoin El Salvador was going to be remittances. Right. Yeah. Two percent isn't exactly massive adoption by any nope. metric. Right. Um, but I mean, they're a year in. Um, you know, let's see what they can pull off here, uh, I guess, moving ahead. I mean, I think we have a couple of other El Salvador articles later on. So we'll probably come mm -hmm. back to this. But. Uh, a couple other names we had identified. So Neymar, um, not a crypto guy, but he did purchase some Bored Ape NFTs at the peak of the market back in January, I think. And then uh, probably has lost most of his investment on those at this point. But uh, but obviously he's an influential guy in Brazil. People will, you know, uh, he I think he turned his, all of his social media profile pics into Bored Apes. Um, and then Reinaldo Habelu, also CEO of Mercado Bitcoin. Uh, yeah which is, you know, one of the the, the big players in Brazil, um, first unicorn, crypto unicorn in the country, uh, obviously has had a bit of a rough, you know, couple of months here as far as some layoffs and things. And uh, but I guess that's that's sort of everybody in the industry at this point. Um, thoughts on either of those guys? Neymar is a great player, <laughs> soccer player, football player, as we said here. Uh, I think that as as many uh, football players in, in the world, he, he started uh Operating crypto, acquiring crypto in because of some marketing, um, yes, campaigns, but no more than that. that that's my opinion. And regarding uh, Ravelo, I think that he was able to uh, talk uh, in, in different uh, media outlets about the regulatory issues that Brazil has. So I think that it was very important for for the company to have a local player explaining. And, and saying things that many companies were not allowed to say because of their uh, size. So Mercado Bitcoin is, is the largest um, crypto exchange in the, in the country. So it has uh, enough funds uh, to, to say, for example, that Binance should uh, have a KYC policy in, in the country and start uh, exchanging information with with the tax authority in in Brazil so I think that it was important and 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 a good thing for the crypto ecosystem in in Brazil to have Ravelo explaining some things 
Yeah, well, he's definitely been outspoken, right? As, as, yep. far as his criticism of Binance goes, and yeah, as far as Neymar, you know, it's a great player, but maybe not the guy we should be looking to for you know, investing advice, I suppose. Uh, uh, and I guess like last last thing on that on that list, uh, I think we had noted just out of five hundred people, there's only you know a handful that have really any correlation to crypto. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess what's your read into like why is that? Is that significant? Is that not significant? Are we just still pretty early in the game here? Yes, I think this is a, a scale thing, in my opinion. We, we don't have a Brian Armstrong in, in that time because we don't have a company that uh, is huge across all the region, in Mexico, in Argentina, in Brazil. We have like important local players, for example, Reynardo, Reynaldo Ravelo, and we have Daniel Vogel in Mexico. But... We don't have a, a high-profile entrepreneur uh, doing great and important things in all places of the region. So mm. that, that's the main difference that uh, I see uh, compared to the U.S. or Europe, where uh, there are many um, high-profile entrepreneurs that are widely known by all the uh, business uh, ecosystem of a region. All right. So there's no like CZ, there's no SBF, no, there's no Brian Armstrong. Mm -hmm. caliber uh yeah people, essentially and, and i think that that that's explained because uh although latin america is growing very fast uh the scale is not the same compared to the us or european markets moving on here we've got some some news from the the c brazil's cvm uh the securities and exchange commission they've been a fairly active couple of weeks for them uh, a couple weeks ago they issued a stop order to buy bit uh, to stop offering derivatives products in the country, which I don't think is super surprising given that they've issued the same order to like Binance and a few others. And then also, I think the big news from this past week was that they've been probing uh, Mercado Bitcoin on some of their fixed income tokens. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't had a time to like really dive into this story yet. I haven't written my newsletter yet for this week, so I don't have really a chance to look into this, but I mean, the, the CVM has also made, they've been kind of a bit more proactive in saying like, hey, we want to be more in the crypto conversation under this yeah. new uh, president, their new leader. Um, mm -hmm. They they seem to be a bit more involved on both like the, you know, the the conversational kind of regulatory dialogue side, but also on some of these more kind of enforcement action type aspects as well. But what's your, what's your read into what, what's going on here? I think that the CVM is trying to gain some knowledge about uh, this, the, the token uh, token ecosystem, the crypto token ecosystem in in Brazil, and that's widely explained because of the lack of clarity uh, regarding regulations in Brazil. Uh, we we need to remember that up to now the crypto bill was not uh, approved in Brazil, so we don't know if the CBM is in charge of this, if the central bank is going to be in charge of this. We don't know that yet. In, in my opinion. So I think that the CBM is trying to uh, get in some information regarding these fixed income tokens that uh, Mercado Bitcoin uh, has been issuing uh, over the past uh, two years. So be because it wants to have more clarity. And, and the important thing here is that uh, the CBM plans to release uh, an official crypto guide that will be uh, helpful because it recommends uh, crypto companies to consult the commission uh, before uh, issuing any crypto token that can be considered uh, a security. 
So that that would bring more clarity. But I think that we need to wait uh, until uh, the crypto bill uh, is approved. We don't know when because presidential elections are delaying everything in Brazil. We all the Brazilian people are, are talking about Lula and Bolsonaro. No more than that. I I don't know if uh, the CBM is going to go after Binance or other crypto exchange in the future, but. Uh, it is clear that uh, it says that B3, the, the local exchange, is the only one allowed to uh, issue securities in the country. So that's very important to notice. Yeah, so this will be one to watch. It, it seems maybe a bit premature of them to be issuing guidance around yep. this when that that might be totally nullified by whatever the crypto bill ends up looking like, uh, you know, if that gets passed, you know, in the lame duck session or in the in, in the next year so mm-hmm. um yeah so it seems it's, it just seems like they're trying to kind of inject themselves into the conversation and be a bit more i mean they were kind of on the sidelines before and now they're trying to inject themselves a bit more as a as a kind of a player in this area it seems that's at least that's how i'm kind of seeing this next article that we have here we talked about el salvador a little bit earlier but uh mm-hmm. we had jack mallers the ceo of strike and kind of the I guess, how would you describe his relationship to El Salvador? I don't know, but he's the he's kind of the guy that brokered the whole El Salvador Bitcoin experiment, I guess. Uh, but he was on on Coindesk TV talking about how, uh, you know, El Salvador's negative experience so far or less than ideal experience doesn't really hurt his company at all. Yeah. And, uh, even though his company is kind of kind of built around this whole El yeah, yeah. experience. Uh, and, I, and I remember that uh, Mallers was the one that presented uh, the case of El Salvador uh, wanted to adopt um, Bitcoin as legal tender. I think it was uh, 2020. I, I don't remember. Uh, or 2021. But uh, yes, 2021. Uh, during a, a Bitcoin magazine uh, event, I remember. And Mallers was the one that presented uh, El Salvador, the case of El Salvador. Uh, so he was very close to Bukele. I don't know if he's uh, up to now uh, closer to, to him, uh, close to him. But uh, the thing is that he was a, a very important part of, of um, Bitcoin being a legal center in, in El Salvador. He was an advisor. But it is true that he didn't have commercial relationships with uh, El Salvador. Uh, compared to other uh, crypto exchanges or uh, digital wallets such as Bitso, uh, Athena, Bitcoin, uh, or uh, other companies. So it is true, but you can see a trend where everyone is is saying, okay, this didn't work very well. Uh, I was just an advisor, but no more than that. (laughs) Like it was all my idea, but, you know, don't blame me for for it not working, right? It it seems to be... uh... (laughs) Yeah, but you, you do see this trend of people maybe trying to back away, disassociate from this a little bit, which uh, which probably isn't super surprising. Um, next article we have here, we have a couple articles related to Bitcoin mining in, uh, oh. in, in, in there's a few things happening in like Argentina and in Paraguay. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an article a couple of weeks ago about uh, Bitfarms uh, yep. started production in Argentina. Um this one's particularly interesting just because I've I've I know I've known these Bitfarms guys for a long time since they first started mining in Quebec in Canada. Mm-hmm. I visited all their facilities way back in like 2018 or whatever. 
mm-hmm. uh, and I guess the sort of they've gone through several management changes since then. So I've you know everybody I knew at the company is now gone, but they they still do exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're in Argentina. So uh, and also the the other uh, article that we had flagged here was just that Paraguay's president vetoed the bill. There's a bill that would basically regulate and legalize crypto mining and. The, mm-hmm. That was vetoed by the Paraguayan president. So, uh, hoping you can maybe give us a bit of context as to what's all going on here. Yes, Bit Bit Farms is a Canadian company, but it was founded by Argentinian uh, entrepreneurs. So uh, you, you can see the connection why they are they are opening an operation in the country. Um, it is it is not cheap. Uh, it is not a huge business to start uh, mining um, crypto in Argentina if you do that uh, through the formal ways. Because mm-hmm. if you if you are a, a registered company in Argentina, you will pay uh, the full rate when it comes to uh, energy. Uh, so w- what's happening is that uh, many people are mining uh, crypto in, in their houses. Because uh, the the government pays pays a, a, a very important part of of the full uh, tariff, so um, I I don't see why the, the bit farms is is operating in in Argentina. I think that one reason could be uh, the 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 Argentinian connection that that they have because of uh, because they were born here. But uh, I think that in Latin America their their biggest operation will be in Paraguay because. The country has great uh, rates compared to other countries in the region. But at the same time, Paraguay is dealing with um, regulatory uncertainty because uh, the president uh, vetoed a bill proposing to regulate crypto mining and trading in in that South American country. So let's see, because now the Congress uh, will be able to start rewriting uh, the, the bill. Uh, and and the main thing here is that um, it wants to give miners the full rate, uh, not the industrial rate that is lower than than the full rate. So that's the main problem in in that South American country. So let's see. I think Bit Farms uh, wants to be in Argentina. It is not easy to mine uh, um, uh, crypto in in Argentina because the government is going after uh, this type of uh, companies because we don't have a lot of energy we have to import. We don't have U.S. dollars, so that, that that's a bunch of problems that need to be solved. And 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 the tax authority and all the all the government is going after these type of companies because they don't want to uh, have mining companies uh, because they consume uh, a lot of energy in in this context. A couple of weeks ago, there was a story about some illegal miners in or some kind of under the table miners in Argentina who got raided by the by the tax authorities. Uh, I think that's like a like a like a greenhouse or like a, a facility that was supposed to be, you know, for gardening or growing food or something. And then there was just actually housing a bunch of miners. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that that's that's pretty common in Argentina. Uh, and some cases are are huge. I mean, uh, many and many rigs uh, mining company uh, mining uh, crypto. So uh, the tax authority and the energy authority are going after these uh, illegal companies. You, you can call them companies, but Bitfarm is not an illegal company operating in Argentina. It is a formal legged company, but at the same time, it is 
it is not easy to operate in, in Argentina. There is several uh, issues, uh, obstacles. So so I think that Paraguay is the best choice for, for bid farms. Uh, so that's why they, they start operating there in Latin America. So you, you reckon that despite some of the uncertainty coming out of Paraguay and this, this bill being vetoed, it's still probably the best option right now, all things considered, for miners? Uh, you mean Paraguay? Paraguay, yeah. Or where else would you know would be the question? Where like what other better alternatives would there be? In Latin America, yeah. I think that Paraguay is the best uh, option because rates are are lower and and they have a lot of energy to provide because they they have excellence uh, that, that they don't need energy as uh, Argentina or Brazil uh, need. So, but th- th- they want to have uh, the business um, that th- they want to earn money through this. And it is not going to be easy for uh, the crypto ecosystem to have this bill approved in the short term because many things have uh, will have to be changed, uh, and and the tariff issue will be the most important in the short term. Got it, got it. So it's just a question of how much should miners pay? Should they be paying the standard industrial rate, which is you know quite a bit lower than what other folks would be paying or it's kind of like how how legitimate of a business do you want to classify mining i guess is maybe the question and what type of mm-hmm. rate should they be qualified and this isn't this isn't i don't think this is an uncommon dispute i think this pretty much happens everywhere where crypto mining becomes a you know there's some you know i know in quebec where bit farms originated there was a huge mm-hmm. fight for how much these guys should be paying etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. this is not an uncommon trend i guess Next trend or next article we want to look at here is so Huobi has enabled crypto purchases with fiat uh, in multiple markets in Latin America, um, including via PIX in Brazil and also uh, with AstroPay, which I think is is out of Uruguay, but they've it's a yeah. Uruguay. Um, and then I think what's interesting here, I mean, I think it's interesting what they're doing, but also just the broader trend of. A lot of there's a lot of new payment on ramps, fiat on ramps that have been established recently in Brazil, in particular with like MetaMask and and Binance, yep. you know some of these other companies, um, and uh, Bybit, like Binance, like a lot of the a lot of it's becoming a lot easier to buy crypto, I guess if you're if you're just buying with standard, you know, making standard fiat purchases, I guess. So, um, I don't know what what's your thoughts on this. I think that. Uh, this is the last uh, case of global players entering uh, Latin America, trying to to get into the region and through the the, the easiest way. I mean, uh, having a partnership with a local uh, payment uh, service provider such as AstroPay, which was founded by uh, Uruguayan uh, founders, uh, entrepreneurs, but now it, it is a global company that it is is more focused on emerging uh, markets. Um, so Latin America is, is a key market for, for these type of uh, exchanges and will be in the future. So Wobi is, is the last case, um, but you have many others. For example, you, you mentioned MetaMask, uh, Bybit, uh, Binance. Uh, they, they want to be in LATAM. And I think that peaks in Brazil um, is a is a very interesting case for them because I, I don't remember the exact number of users, but more than 120 million uh, users in Brazil uh, are um, transacting through PIX. 
So that's huge. I mean, you are more, uh, you are closer uh, to Brazil than, than what I am. But uh, Pix is is a success case in in Brazil, and it is is quite easy to connect your um your 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 payment on ramp uh, to Pix. So it it is easier. It is easy. It is fast, and I may think that global play, players in Brazil are taking that approach. They they connect to Pix, and then they start doing uh marketing campaigns. They they start doing. Uh, PR releases, the, 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 they have all that. But once they are connected to PIX, it is it is very easier to to start operating there. Yeah, the, the whole fiat on-ramp question is one. It does feel a bit paradoxical if you're kind of, you know, full crypto, quote unquote. But, you know, it's like, well, for full crypto, why do we need fiat on-ramps or whatever? But it, it, this is, but this is the plumbing that like really allows people to easily just get in to you know to to enter into this and to start kind of making their first purchases or whatnot yeah but this stuff is really like it's not the sexiest thing to talk about but it's like this is really important kind of plumbing and infrastructure that has to get built out um and i think the fact that you know you're seeing just you know there seems like every week or so there's a new announcement about this which yeah. is every week every week you see announcements and i, I remember that a few months ago uh, Binance had a, an important issue with uh, Pix, and it was disconnected for like two weeks because it changed uh, its uh, service provider, and that that means millions and millions of of dollars that were not uh, gained by by Binance. Uh, so yes, in in the case of MetaMask, I think I think that uh, the the crypto um, the crypto industry maybe doesn't understand why why to why be, being connected to pix but in the case of wobi and binance and bybit i i think that uh having this kind of, of payment payment uh system is very important and then next article here is one that you wrote uh about also about el salvador We're not trying to pile on el salvador here but there's just a bit of news here around there at the one year anniversary but they've been uh they bought back 565 million dollars worth of bonds uh, and they're going to be launching a new offering in a few weeks. And it seems like there's some rumors around uh, the solvency of the country, essentially, and whether they will, whether, I mean, the reason that they bought these bonds back is because they don't think they'd be able to make the, you know, the, potentially make the payments on them in the future. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you, I mean, I, I also saw their, their credit score got downgraded as well. They're basically. Yeah, that's you know, very important. It's probably like the, you know, the worst of the worst score that you yeah. We get at this point so it's like the ultimate junk bond um i mean what's going on with this uh i mean this is i, I guess this is more I, I guess like the first question would be like how much is this related to like the bitcoin experiment um do and then you know i mean how much is this something that like we should be as crypto sort of observers we need to be like really concerned or how much is this has to do with their, their bitcoin experiment versus just being a, a country that's not you know that that just doesn't have very good finances. Yes, in terms of uh, the quantity of money that El Salvador used uh, to buy crypto, uh, that was not a lot um, compared to all the money that the government has. Uh, but I think that uh, the fame or the yes, the fame of Bukele in in the international uh, credit system is not the best. And at the same time, he, he doesn't have the best relationship with the IMF, which in several times, 
several times uh, told El Salvador and urged El Salvador to stop um, having uh, Bitcoin as as legal tender. So th this is this uh, this buyback is 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 an approach to tell the the international credit system, okay, we are okay, we, we are solvent, we we can pay, we will pay next year and in twenty twenty five we don't have uh we don't have many problems to do that but when you look at the fitch ratings uh latest um uh rating it is not good and at the same time the agency indicated that the country is likely to default on its uh, bond maturing in early 2023 so there is a lot at the same time there is a lot of uncertainty regarding uh, the bitcoin bond it was delayed several times uh, it was going to be uh, issued in March. It didn't happen because of the war and of many, many uh, causes that uh, the government uh, said. But we are in October and that didn't happen yet. Uh, so there is not uh, an official statement regarding that. Uh, and investors don't know what to do because it is not going to be released. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Um, I don't know what will happen in in the suburb. What I what I can tell you is that the Bitcoin experiment was not what the government expected, and I think that a big part of that is because of the Bitcoin uh, nature, its volatility. I don't know if if uh, the the Bitcoin experiment was the best. Uh, I think that El Salvador maybe could could have tried with a stablecoin experiment why uh, a bitcoin experiment so many many questions that arise when when it comes to uh analyze uh the the, the experiment there in, in El salvador but yes basically the government is trying to uh pay back uh bonds it's going to to have a, a new offering in in eight week eight weeks seven weeks now uh and let's see what happens but up to now it purchased purchased uh 54 of the bonds maturing in 2025 and just 22% uh, of the bonds maturing uh, next year. So mm -hmm. I think that the bonds maturing in 2023 will be uh, will be what um, the government will try to to buy more. Yeah, this is this is kind of the, the next the latest tale in the you know this winding story of El Salvador this Bitcoin experiment right where you have these. I mean, it seems like this is a well-intentioned thing. It seems like these guys, maybe they drank too much of the Bitcoin maximalist Kool-Aid, so to speak. Uh, was this, you know, I think adopt, you know, the experiment of trying to adopt crypto as, or some type of cryptocurrency as a national currency is super interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but would have, yeah, would have adopting like a stable coin been, or creating its own stable coin of some sort, been a more pragmatic experiment vis-a-vis all these Bitcoin purchases, which have, which you said are, are, isn't like a you know a hugely material poor part of their budget, but mm -hmm. all they have lost a ton of money on this because of the depreciation in price, yep. and it also just sort of torpedoed their relationship with like the IMF and all these outside mm -hmm. uh, lenders and creditors and things. And and we need to remember that El Salvador is more than fifty percent down uh, on its. Bitcoin uh, bet. Right, right. And, and, and the country used uh, money that was given by uh, inhabitants of, of El Salvador, by uh, Salvadorians. So I don't, this is an, an opinion, right? Uh, I don't know if 
it was the best way to handle the, the money of the people uh, with a very volatile uh, currency such as Bitcoin. So, uh, but although it is not a lot of money for a country, a sovereign country such as the Salvador, I think that it sends uh, it sends uh, uh, an, a strange message to the international uh, credit system um, because you are betting money of your people with a with a crypto as uh, as, as Bitcoin, and and at the same at the same time you don't have a lot of money to 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 deal with that because. You, you owe a lot of money to to the IMF to investors you have two bonds that are maturing in just three years and you don't have enough money to to buy all of them so it is it is a it is a bad situation for Salvador right now yeah I mean it just it looks like very reckless right yeah. it was they 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 made this decision kind of at the peak of the bull market in 2021 i mean i think yeah. i feel like that was like kind of the peaks like the two peaks of the 2021 yeah. bull market for me was the coinbase ipo and then el yeah. salvador uh announcing they're going to make bitcoin their national currency at, at bitcoin miami uh which was also another sort of peak event i guess in itself but like mm -hmm. that particular announcement was kind of the peak peak um <laughs> and you know i i I think like, look, like, you know, they're basically being advised by like this 25 year old kid who is certainly well intentioned, but, you know, maybe is not like the best sort of person to be listening to on like questions of sort of national, you know, financial sort of, <laughs> you know, anyway, yeah. there's just and, uh, the whole thing yeah. just appears very reckless. Like I, I, I genuinely find the experiment very fascinating, but the whole thing just feels very reckless to me, which is why I'm. Kind uh, of yes. And, and was El Salvador uh, the best country to have Bitcoin as, as a legal tender currency? I mean, uh, when you go to El Salvador, we, we, we wrote several articles about that, about this. Uh, the financial education uh, of the people was, was not the best compared to other countries in Latin America. I'm not talking about the US or Europe. Uh, I'm comparing it with Latin America. And it was not. Uh, so you are exposing your people to uh, a very volatile uh, currency like uh, Bitcoin. It, it is not the best approach. So next article here, we're going to kind of rip through a couple quick ones here before we wrap up. But uh, we had a federal police raid of six crypto exchanges in Brazil last week, in addition to uh, a variety of other um, uh accounting offices and banks in a, in a big money, anti-money laundering kind of operation. Uh, pretty significant size. They're alleging that about 61 billion reais, which would be, how much would that be in dollars? I guess that'd be, you know, maybe like $15 billion, 10, $15 yeah. billion. Pretty significant amount of money. That's yeah. a lot. They're, you know, it, it like over a four-year period, that was there's basically kind of this arbitrage scheme between Hong Kong, US, Singapore, and then Brazil, where some of these funds are being laundered. Um, there's not a whole lot of details. No, I try to understand. Uh, I, I tried to check uh, which uh, exchanges were involved, and and I couldn't find find that information. It was like eleven billion dollars worth. The, the, this case was was huge in in Brazil. We, I think that we we don't take notice of the amount of money that was involved in this uh, scheme. Yeah, I, I think just the top line numbers in itself is massive, but we don't really know any other details yet of no. like who was involved, who was even raided. 
who are the people involved. We've just kind of gotten these preliminary articles that saying that like, hey, this happened, but that this is kind of the extent of what we're disclosing right now, at least from the, the federal police's vantage point. So let's kind of wait and see on this, see how this one unfolds, but definitely one worth watching just given the the size of it, like you were mentioning, and just I mean, not just the dollar amount, but the number of warrants issued, the number of, of enterprises that were uh, raided here. And I think that one reason why this is happening is that uh, up to now in Latin America, and, and I include Brazil, there are not many KYC requirements uh, up to now. International exchanges do not have to uh, inform the tax authority about uh, its users. So many things and, and many causes that are leading uh, th- this type of yeah, situations. I mean, this is a lot of money that that uh, took place. So last article here we want to touch on quick is uh, bit to me. They had kind of a you know they announced the big Brazil launch back in April or May. They were gonna it's a Spanish exchange. They're gonna expand into Brazil. They hired uh, this guy Ricardo da Ros da Ros, who's mm-hmm. kind of a Brazil crypto veteran. Uh, you know obviously not probably not the greatest timing for doing something like this. And they've kind of pulled back. They've laid off a bunch of the local staff. Uh, I think it looks like Daros has himself left the company. Um, looks like they're still operating in Brazil, but in a very scaled back manner. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I think this isn't super surprising, I guess, but it's kind of, uh, you know, crypto winter is claiming another victim, another scalp here, so to speak. But what's your read into what's going on here? Uh, yes. One important thing to notice is that B2Me is not closing its operation in Brazil. It is restructuring it. It is hiring, uh, I think, another director in, in, in the country. And the company had, I think, three or four uh, direct employees in, in Brazil. And the rest was part of uh, a scaling agency in the country. More than uh, 20 people making marketing staff. So my guess is that B2Me is going to uh, focus uh, on the Spanish, uh, the, the Spanish uh, speaking part of Latin America. And I, I will tell you the reason. I think that next week the company will announce a, a, a very important investment made by Telefonica, which is the leading uh, telecommunication uh, company in in Spain. It is going to be, I think, between twenty and thirty uh, million euros that uh, Telefonica invested in in Bit2Me, and Telefonica is very important in Latin America, in in the uh, Spanish speaking part of Latin America. So my guess is that uh, B2Me is going to focus all its efforts and, and money in expanding in, 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 in those countries. So I think that that's why they decided to stop in Brazil and have a smaller um, group and team there. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, just given that they're based out of Spain and, and it seems like Spanish Latin America might be a better fit just kind of culturally, even though I do think there's an argument for you know, entering into Brazil. And then if you can do well in Brazil, it's easier to kind of scale into some of the other Latin American countries piece mm-hmm. by piece there. But um, I guess this isn't like a normal operating environment, I suppose, <laughs> in these current market conditions. So, yes, in uh, an environment where it is very difficult to raise money. So I think that they they went to Telefonica. I don't know if Telefonica uh, approached uh, B2Me, but it seems to be a natural uh, and suitable agreement for both parts because it is not very easy to raise funds from VC firms right now. So Telefonica is huge, have a lot of funds to invest, and they want to get into Web3 and, and, and cryptocurrencies. So uh, it is a 
good deal in my opinion for both parts great that's the end of the show here thanks so much andres for coming on this was fun doing a little jam trying to you know latam news roundup so uh we'll have to do this again soon really appreciate your time thank you Aaron. it was great to be here obrigado everyone and thanks for listening Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.